Hello and welcome to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And each and every week, we do our darndest to shine a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. We do that by talking about TV and movies and theater and sports. But uh, today is a little bit special because there is love in the air. Aww. Why is that, Cole? Well, I mean, it's President's Day weekend. Yes. Um, Don't be disappointed that we're not doing a President's Day episode because it's also Valentine's Day weekend. However, if you do want to hear more of a President's-themed episode, then you'll definitely want to check out our podcast. Just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and look up our recent episode that we did on presidents in TV and movies. And also, while you're there, you can look up over a 100 episodes of Screen Cleaning right there at your fingertips for your listening pleasure. And uh, what we did with that presidential episode is that it coincided with the presidential inauguration. And so very fitting and what a fun episode that was, too. Yeah, I think whenever we planned that, we didn't realize the President's Day was a couple weekends away. But this allows us to just spend the whole episode today on the other holiday in February. Absolutely. And we're going to do it in a unique way. We could do what most other shows and sites are probably doing and right about now. what screen cleaning has done in the past, too, and talk about rom-coms, right? Right, right. Or maybe even do like a rom-com bracket, which is something Rotten Tomatoes is doing right now. We believe in you, Harry Met Sally. <laughs> Cole just uh, he spoiled this the surprise of one of the two finalists. I won't tell you what the other one is, um, but uh, if you look it up, you won't think it's inconceivable. You won't be surprised say. that Jeff voted for that one. Yes, it's one of my favorite movies ever. But on our show today, we are actually doing a bracket, but we're focusing on TV relationships. And you'll notice that I I used that very broadly. I didn't say TV romantic relationships. I just said TV relationships. Yeah, we're right? we're keeping it broad. We're going to span all the the spectrum of a relationship, whether it's platonic or in full swing marriage, or of course the very classic. Will they, won't they, that sitcoms keep us coming back for. And then we've even got another category that people of my generation, at least, should appreciate because it's young love. And Mm -hmm. these are some of the shows that I grew up watching and loving. Yeah, I pitched a couple Disney Channel options, and for some reason Jeff didn't uh, want to talk about the young love on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I was more of a Nickelodeon guy myself. Never really got into the Disney Channel. But uh, Nickelodeon had some great shows with some young love on it, to be sure. So why don't we start with the one that is probably foremost on everybody's list of romantic relationships on TV, the will-they-won't-they relationship. So we're going to turn things over a little bit to our assistant producer, Avery, who has helped us compile this wonderful bracket that you should enjoy there at home, on the go, in your car. Avery, which four will-they-won't-they relationships will we be uh, having face-off against each other? Well, in this first category, we have four great classic sitcom couples. Um, First of all, we have Ross and Rachel. What? What are they doing on there? Who would have thought that they would make this list? The first – we've done a couple brackets in the history of screen cleaning. The first – couple movie TV show that we mentioned is always the one seed. This the is one. the favorite going into the bracket. Okay. 
Next up, we have Sam and Diane from Cheers. Yes. Yeah. I love those are both two very lovable actors. Yeah, quintessential. Thirdly, we have another classic of the genre. We have Jim and Pam from The Office. Ooh, okay, okay. And then rounding out this first part of the bracket, we have Jake and Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's the one I'm probably least familiar with, but I know, Cole, you're a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So is my wife. It's a great show. But So the first matchup, though, is Friends versus Cheers. We're talking Ross and Rachel versus Sam and Diane. And this is probably a generational divide because there's there's a certain subsection of folks of a certain age that will tell you that Sam and Diane are where the will-they-won't-they was invented. Like, there was a lot of dramatic tension between couples before then, but the idea of just an on-again, off-again, like you love to see them and you you want to root for them even though they don't end up together every single episode was at, at very least popularized on Cheers. You know, Cole, this is going to be a really tough decision for me because we're dealing with two very iconic shows and, yeah, really likable actors Oh, Cole, I thought I knew how I was going to vote for this one. I thought I would easily go for Ross and Rachel because I feel like Ross and Rachel are the quintessential will-they-won't-they TV couple. However, I'm actually going to surprise everybody in this room, and I kind of wish we had like a (gasps) dun-dun-dun or a big audience gasp stinger that we could apply here because the reason I'm ultimately going with Sam and Diane is because if I'm honest with myself, I actually like Ted Danson and Shelley Long better as actors. I think they're more likable. I think they probably have better chemistry. And I think I think you brought up a good point, Cole. They're the ones that kind of started it all for us. Or at least, you know, people of our generation or people that we know, right? So I'm going with Sam and Diane. Jeff said our like there's more than one person in this room that's of his generation because I'm obviously going with Ross and Rachel from Friends because that is more my generation. And just because you are first does not mean you are the best. Sure, Sam and Diane had to happen before we got Ross and Rachel. But as I'm going to prove with clips uh, here in the future on this episode, Ross and Rachel is the example of a sitcom couple, of a will-they-won't-they, they, of all the all the shows that would do that later on. They are pulling a lot more from the Ross-Rachel dynamic than the Sam and Diane one. And also, Diane, not in, like, the whole of cheer. You could it's not true. have friends true. without Jennifer Aniston. Like, she, if she'd left halfway through the way that we lost Shelley Long, it would have been a total, like, friends wouldn't have... Friends wouldn't have made it. It needed Ross and Rachel more than Cheers needed Sam and Diane. Not surprisingly, here on a bracket show on screen cleaning, or really on any show in general... We disagreed? We disagree. Uh, And so we have a contingency plan in place, and his name is Avery Otzbach. Oh, wait. So the contingency isn't just that my vote goes forward? I thought that that's what... We agreed that... We never agreed. I carried like 55%. You had 45%. It makes me think of The Simpsons when uh, Edna Krabappel says, well, let's just agree to disagree. And Principal Skinner says, I don't agree to that. (laughs) And so we've got Avery Otzbach here who is going to act as our tiebreaker. And so, Avery, do the right thing and uh, (laughs) tell me what I want to hear. Oh, um, He's trying to pull an 80s movie reference on you to vote for the 80s couple. Don't do it. I got that. I I, 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 I got that reference. Um, Even though – 
I'm sorry, Jeff. I think we'll have to chalk this up to generational differences, but I'm going to have to vote in favor of Ross and Rachel. Wow. I, I, I can't say I'm surprised, but I love, I love me some Ted Danson and Shelley Long together or in, in individual projects. They're so great. I love them, but I understand and respect your decision. Thank right. you. As Avery alluded to before, we've now got Jim and Pam from The Office versus Jake and Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, this one's not very difficult for me. And not only because I'm not as familiar with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I feel like Jim and Pam, if they aren't already, will someday be the new Ross and Rachel of Will They, Won't They? The problem with uh, Jim and Pam is that their Will They, Won't They didn't last all that long in the whole entire series run of The Office. However, I, I, you can't deny the chemistry that they have and just the, the awkwardness and the obstacles that they have to overcome. And not only are they funny together, but there are some really heartfelt moments that they share on screen. And I, I have no problem voting for Jim and Pam. You're right. The culminating Jim and Pam moment happens at the end of season three out of nine seasons of The Office where a third the way through and the will they won't they was over. Then they were a couple and then they had to invent ways to cause conflict later on. That being said, this is probably my last chance to get to talk about Jake and Amy. And I do love B99. <laughs> so they they are a great example of a modern relationship where it's written in a very now way, which we may look back on unfriendly like as time passes things that are very current don't age the best i think jim and pam's relationship is going to stand the test of time because it's iconic but the way that andy samberg and melissa fumero uh is they are written in brooklyn 99 is fantastic it's right now and it's it's a great modern couple for a new generation but the correct answer is the office. Yeah. So, Avery, you get to sit this one out because it looks like it's down to Ross and Rachel from Friends and Jim and Pam from The Office. The next category is young love. So we're looking at couples who are young and in love, oddly enough. <laughs> Great. First off, we have Corey and Topanga from Boy Meets World. Uh, then our, sec- our, well, our second contestant couple is Kevin and Winnie from the the Wonder Years. Thirdly, we have Urkel and Laura from Family Matters, and our last young love couple is Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell. I think there are going to be so many people that are thrilled that we have this category and are mentioning these shows on this episode of Screen Cleaning because these are very uh, to people of a certain generation iconic shows. And I got to tell you, I watched each and every one of these shows. Yeah, I made kind of a joke about the Disney Channel, but you don't see a lot of network TV young stories anymore. Like if you're going to pitch to a network executive, hey, I got this story about uh, kids in high school. They're going to point you down the hall to the to Disney or Nickelodeon or maybe Netflix or whoever's going to pick it up. Whereas it used to be in the 80s and 90s, we had like the high school stories were prominent on network television. Yeah. So this first one, the, the this first face-off between Corey and Topanga, Kevin and Winnie, to me is not really a contest at all because I feel like growing up, everybody knew who Winnie Cooper was. I think people also knew who Topanga was, but Winnie Cooper is more than just the character on The Wonder, the Wonder Years. Winnie Cooper represents that girl in your life 
that girl, the, the, the girl next door, the girl that you pined after, the girl that you first had a crush on that you'll always remember. So again, to me, Winnie Cooper is more than just the character herself. She's this idea, something that everybody can think back on and with fondness, whether or not you actually ended up with that girl that you first fell in love with. So for me, my my love is with Kevin and Winnie from The Wonder Years. I think it's fault, as we talk about Valentine's Day, is it is just a little bit of a juvenile relationship. Whereas Cory and Topanga, we got to see in their prominent, like, teenager learning about love kind of years where they grow up a lot between the years of Boy Meets World and then to be able to bring them back in Girl Meets World and to see that this couple that we rooted for that whole time is still together was such a dramatic payoff. Wonder Years, I think, was always more just about him telling his story and sure, Winnie Cooper comes up, but Corey and Topanga were the relationship of Boy Meets World. Cole, you're probably thinking, oh, well, they didn't have as much Winnie Cooper on the show, and I I have a very good reason for that. So this is an interesting little tidbit of information. Please. Winnie Cooper or uh, Dana, Danica uh, McKellar, who, by the way, <laughs> is the butt of a great running joke in the movie Knives Out. You've got you've to check that movie out for sure. She actually was growing faster than uh, Kevin Arnold. As or... junior high kids do. Yes. And so they actually made her character disappear temporarily to give Kevin Arnold a chance to uh, grow up a little bit. And so that's why you she disappears a little bit at the beginning of the series. But Avery, I'm hoping you'll do the right thing because I want you to picture that girl that you had a crush on when you were young. <laughs> and I, I know you know who she is still. And she, whether or not you ended up with her or whether or not she's even on your radar anymore, uh, you'll never forget her. And I think that is what is so genius about this couple. Uh, you know, Jeff, I think this time your argument did sway me. Um, yes. And I think in, for this tiebreaker, I will vote for Kevin and Winnie from The Wonder <laughs> Years. Excellent. Things are going my way. Uh, Let's see how they go, though, when we talk about Urkel and Laura from Family Matters and Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell. To me, this is no contest, but I want to hear what you want to say, Cole. I am not sure which direction you're going by saying it's no contest (laughs) because they're... They're kind of close for me. I know that you're you root for one of them more. I'm gonna go Zach and Kelly, just because I have seen more Saved by the Bell and the Urkel and Laura relationship just never seemed totally two way to me. Like it was always Urkel just pining after her, and that's fun to watch for a while. But then for the last episode. For them to actually get together just felt like they were bowing to the audience's request that, oh, they have to now because we've set it up for so long. Whereas it was much more fun to see the one-sided relationship of it. That doesn't make for a great relationship to root for or to vote for in this bracket. What I love about about that relationship from Family Matters, though, is that uh, Steve is able to go into this machine, as I recall, and he becomes Stefan Urkel who is this suave version of Jaleel White that comes out and is able to swoop Laura off her feet. And so I think there's there's a really bizarre uh, element to that relationship. But, of course, 
It's all about Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell. I won't sing the song for you. That'll be Cole's job if he chooses to do that. But, uh, yeah, looks like Kevin and Winnie and Zach and Kelly are moving on. Alarm goes off in the morning. Something, something. It doesn't count if you don't sing it. Bus on time. (laughs) So, Avery, what's our next category? Our next category is, uh, well, it's a it's a real it's it's a good category, especially for people like you, Jeff. Um, and th- we're looking at married couples. Oh, I wasn't sure where you're going with that. <laughs> people like you, Jeff. People like mature you, Jeff. couples. <laughs> mature couples. <laughs> okay. It's always good to get some. Uh, you know, we, we see the young love, we see flirtation. It's always good to see some great family values represented in our in our in our romantic romantic couples on TV, right? So. In the married in this married category, we have Lucy and Ricky from I Love Lucy. Wow! <laughs> we have Lucy. We have Roseanne and Dan from Roseanne. Dan. We have Homer and Marge from The Simpsons. Dope. And we have Mike and Carol from The Brady Bunch. Oh. Didn't have a quote for the Brady Bunch, did you? No, I didn't have one to pull out there. But that's the feeling that you I guess had at the Marcia, end of Marcia, every Marcia, episode, Marcia right? isn't exactly a quote about. It's the not parents. from them. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. married. Couple. So uh, first up, Lucy and Ricky versus Roseanne and Dan. Uh, for me, this again is no contest, and I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that Roseanne Barr was kind of ousted from her own show, and so that probably put a little bit of a red mark on that relationship. But this is—we're not talking about Roseanne and Dan from from the revival of Roseanne or the Connors. We're talking about True. the original Roseanne, so where her and John Goodman were just I, that '90s couple. I have to say, though, I was never allowed to watch Roseanne because my mom didn't appreciate this portrayal of a family that argued all the time and didn't get al- didn't get along and which to be fair is probably probably an accurate portrayal of a lot of families unfortunately but I, I I'm not as familiar with that relationship but I am enough to know that I much prefer Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo from I Love Lucy yeah I mean I voted against Sam and Diane originally from Cheers even though they were the first but at some point you have to acknowledge just showing something to us on screen for the first time. And I Love Lucy is one of the great sitcoms of all time, and it certainly is cored around Lucy and Ricky. And, I mean, they fought plenty too, but at the end of the day, it was just a perfect TV couple for the time. Okay. So here's a story of a couple of marriages from TV shows that we're going to have to... That was a really lame segue. But, you know, everybody knows the theme song to The Brady Bunch. And, in fact, in all of the Zoom sessions... here's a story. Yes. In all of the Zoom sessions that I've been in recently, I've actually... I'll say things like, oh, we're when we have eight people on the Zoom call, say, we're one shy of a Brady Bunch, right? So everybody has has made that joke or something akin to it as they've sat in a Zoom session. When WandaVision did their 70s episode, instead of boxes, they were hexagons that yes. we saw them do a little Brady Bunch homage to. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even notice that. I'll have to go because back and watch they're, that. And they're in a hexagon in that show. That show is yes. so wonderful. Yes, it is. Um, you know... I am going to have to go with my namesake on this one, Homer and Marge. This was another show that I I was allowed to watch it, but but my mom often tried to get us to – she tried to ban it in our house. But the problem was 
my dad always liked it. And so <laughs> we were able to get away with it. And funnily enough, or an interesting tidbit, my grandma's name is actually Marjorie Simpson. And so I have to go with my heart on this one. But was Plus, she Marjorie Bouvier before no, she got No, 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 no. <laughs> but I also have to go with the genuinely funnier television show, in my opinion, which is The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, The Simpsons is the best show, you know, ever, probably. But The Simpsons came out a year after Roseanne, and we complained about Roseanne and Dan uh, and John Goodman fighting all the time, but they really were an example. Like, The Simpsons did that same thing, only it was animated instead of real life, so maybe it softened the blow of this marital unbliss that we were seeing for the first time popularized on TV. But... I mean, The Simpsons were doing it, too, and there are tons of episodes where Homer just does the stupidest things imaginable, and he makes every wrong decision. The the, uh, marriage counseling episode where he goes out and catches the big fish, I mean, he does everything wrong every step of the way, and then at the end he just says, I love you, Marge, and then they end up happy at the end. Like, she had so many good reasons to be angry at him, and she listed them comedically for us in that episode. And then at the end, even though he catches the big fish, she's still, like— takes him back i but just the to be homer clear, marge relationship just not the not perfect but to be clear you are voting for them right the simpsons as a show carries them as a couple <laughs> it's so good mike the the brady bunch i mean it's it, kudos to them for showing us a blended family for the first time yeah. popular you know and, and bringing a bunch of kids together fun different story to see but yeah i mean the simpsons is better okay what's yeah. our last category here avery so finally, we're switching from uh, romantic relationships to more friendly relationships because, you know, for some people, friends are the most important thing in the world, uh, including some, t- some of these TV couples we'll be talking about. So first of all, we have Jerry and Elaine from Seinfeld. Then we have Ron and Leslie from Parks and Rec. We have Eleanor and Michael from The Good Place and Liz and Jack from 30 Rock. I think this is our most interesting category because it's not one that necessarily anybody would really think of in a Valentine's Day episode. But I think there's a lot to be said about a loving platonic relationship. And some of these relationships on this list are some of my favorite relationships in all of TV. Yeah, we started getting more workplace comedies in the 2000s. And so that showed us the relationship of not only couples getting together, but the work-wife, work-husband idea where you sometimes act like a couple, but there's nothing really going on. Right. Sometimes you just need somebody that's got your back, somebody that understands you and appreciates you and loves you as a friend, right? So um, I'm hopeful Ted Danson got bumped off the list earlier on in the bracket. I'm hopeful that he'll move on in another category. He makes his comeback as Mr. Mayor. Oh, wait, and Michael from The Good Place. Let it be known... I am still of the opinion that Seinfeld is the greatest sitcom ever. And I've voiced my opinion to the contrary, but... However, and let it be known, I prefer Parks and Rec to The Office. However, if I'm honest with myself, Jerry and Elaine's relationship, their platonic relationship, is just way too toxic. They uh, are not necessarily good people, And, you know, they're not really good for each other because they end up getting each other in a lot of trouble and things don't always go well for them or really never go well for them, whether they're in a relationship together or when they're just uh, friends. Right. So I'm definitely going to have to go 
with Ron and Leslie from Parks and Rec. And not only by default, the relationship of Ron and Leslie on Parks and Recreation is just so sweet and so wonderful to see because Ron is like this big grizzly bear type guy who does not want to show any emotion, does not like government, which is interesting because he's in a government job. But bless her heart, Leslie Nope can win over anybody and even a big grizzly bear in the form of Ron Swanson. And, and it's always a mutual give-take relationship because yeah. at the end of the day, no matter what Ron feels about people or what he feels about his job or how he like puts energy into when they're around each other, he is there for her when she needs it. And to see that, I'll be there for you. Is that the right show? Wrong show. Okay. To see that in a platonic couple is so refreshing because they each have their relationship side stories that go on. But at the end of the day, they are just best friends that happened to work together for a period of time. And season seven, the last season, it's it gets weird. But the way they examine the Ron Leslie relationship in the one episode where they kind of like, you know, bridge the gap of time that we got is my favorite episode of that season where hmm. it's just them hashing it out, and remembering why we love them in the first place. Yeah. That's my vote. Ron Leslie, Parks and Rec. Okay. So if I have to choose between Eleanor and Michael from The Good Place and Liz and Jack from 30 Rock, I've definitely got to get Ted Danson back on this bracket and go with Eleanor and Michael from The Good Place because not only do they have good chemistry, Kristen uh, Bell and Ted Danson, But the premise of the show is just genius. And I love the fact that he is this demon, spoiler alert, that uh, is trying his darndest to be a good person, even though he's not a person. He's a demon. But uh, that's the effect that Eleanor has on him. And what's interesting is she's kind of a bad person, too. So there are these two bad beings, we'll just say, that are trying to help each other be good. So not only do they have good chemistry, but it's just a very interesting premise and a really unique spin on this platonic relationship. I mean, Liz and Jack and everyone that works at 30 Rockefeller Plaza are bad people, too. They, they can uh, get together, though, and but be friendly. But one of them's not a demon. Yeah, I guess that's true. Look, I mean, I feel bad. <laughs> I voted against Ted Danson once. I do love the guy. I can't can't make an excuse to vote against him the other time. And also, we already have Ron and Leslie in that great workplace comedy. Yeah. So I'll... I'll seed 30 Rock, even though it's an amazing show that we don't talk about enough on the program, and allow Michael and Eleanor to move on. Okay. And that's our that's our it for the first round. We got our second round matchup set. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hash this out. And we'll do that when we return. Hopefully you're playing along at home, and hopefully you're not too disappointed if some of your favorites haven't moved on. But I can't wait to see who will ultimately win as the best TV couple or having the best TV relationship. That's all coming up next here on Screen Cleaning. You're pathetic. What? For three years I've been watching you pine after blonde doctor and I gotta tell you, everyone is sick of it. Will they? Won't they? Looks like they're going to. Ooh, the last second something. Oh, whoa, 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 come on. Enough already. And you guys aren't exactly Ross and Rachel. Who? Dr. Ross and Rachel from Bookkeeping. That is a clip from Scrubs describing one of my favorite will-they-won't-they couples that didn't get in. We had Dr. Elliot Reed and Dr. J.D. John Dorian. 
that <laughs> I I thought are pretty good. Will they? Won't they? They certainly will. They won't they for longer than some of the couples that have moved on here in the bracket so far. It was probably on some iteration of our ref draft of this bracket, but it got scrubbed. Ooh, huh? Very good. See what I did there? I I don't think I have a community <laughs> pun per se, but. Let me tell you, Ross and Rachel have been referenced in some of my favorite sitcoms of all time. It was cute at first, but, well, Abed explains it best. To be blunt, Jeff and Britta is no Ross and Rachel. Your sexual tension and lack of chemistry are putting us all on edge, which is why, ironically, and hear this on every level, you're keeping us from being friends. Jeff and I do not have sexual tension. We just argue all the time. Oh, just like Sam and Diane. I hated Sam and Diane. Who are Sam and Diane? Okay, we get it. You're young. Sorry. You see what you're doing to us? (laughs) Wow, so there's somebody else that didn't like Sam and Diane either. You guys didn't like them enough to move them onto the bracket. But we did vote on Ross and Rachel, so it is bracket round two. The will-they-won't-they couples are the first ones we're talking about. Okay. It's the quarterfinals, semifinals, one of them. I can't do the math. Let's go ahead and uh, tee it up. All right. All right. First First on the docket, we got Ross and Rachel versus Jim and Pam. Hmm. Okay. Decisions, decisions. This is a big one. This is probably going to be the biggest one that's still on our list. And uh, it's interesting. These are two that probably could ultimately be in the final two if they had been in different uh, parts of the bracket. But, Cole, I'm curious to hear who you're going to choose first. As much as I love The Office and as much as it is a comfort food for me, when we're talking about the relationship specifically – Even when they were on break, it is Ross and Rachel for sure as the quintessential will-they-won't-they. I said it before, Jim and Pam, they were only a will-they-won't-they, and they were pretty good at it. For the first third of the run of The Office, they get together as a couple starting at the first episode of season four with Fun Run. And they're a great couple for the next few seasons until the writers realized that they were more popular when they were a will-they-won't-they, so they contrived a little bit of just conflict later on. Jim moves to Philadelphia to pursue his dreams. There was that weird thing where, like, the the, the cameraman was hitting on her. That That was was bad. Season 7 off. Yeah. So just because the consistency for Ross and Rachel is there for the whole of the show and those six friends are what the show is based on, a third of them being Ross and Rachel, I vote for friends. You know, Cole, I think this is unprecedented on screen cleaning. I feel like I started this discussion with an idea of what I was going to do. And for once, you have actually swayed my opinion. And I was about to say Jim and Pam because their relationship is just... So heart-wrenching and heartbreaking at times. And I think people certainly uh, relate more to Jim and Pam than they do Ross and Rachel. And and when he comes in in, in the season three finale, like, do you want to go to dinner tonight? Oh, my God. Okay, it's a date. Like, that one is of, one a of great, TV's greatest moments. And a great love moment that oh, we should yeah. talk about around Valentine's Day. But, yeah. but... Well, now, hold on a second. Because... Um, yeah, I, I want to get back to the relate, the relatability factor. Not very many people watching Friends own this incredibly expensive loft in New York and have these jobs that they never really seem to have to go to. But, I mean, people can relate to people working in an office job because that's where the whole show takes place, right? Maybe you don't work at a paper company, but... I know plenty of people in my own life that work at some industrial place where that type of work goes on. 
And uh, I, I will say, though, Cole, you're right. I think Friends did a much better job handling the will-they-won't-they aspect than The Office. And so since this is the will-they-won't-they category, I have to give it to Ross and Rachel from Friends. Oh, boy. Yeah. Did I surprise you at all? A little bit. Okay. Next. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who's next, Avery? Next, we have another another great matchup. We have Kevin and Winnie versus... Zach and Kelly. Kevin and Winnie. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, I think my dislike of Saved by the Bell was going to come out <laughs> wow. eventually as a wow. show because I really don't enjoy watching it. The Wonder Years is just structured much better. Sure, the the Kevin Winnie love isn't as great, but like Zach and anyone is just kind of slimy, I think. And so I'll vote for any couple other than Zach and whoever it is that he's where do, with. Where do you get slimy? What's with slimy? Zach as a person, Zach Morris, but he comes he becomes better and uh, apparently becomes the governor, right? I haven't seen the because reboot politicians of Bell, are but... known for their upright and <laughs> for, yeah. Uh, I definitely I'll agree with you um, begrudgingly and move on the Wonder Years couple. Begrudgingly, oh my Cole, you know if you give a gift begrudgingly, it's as if you never gave the gift. By default, I, I think vote for somebody the said years. that. So, someone quoted uh, eventually. <laughs> okay, so Avery, who do we have next in this next category? I think this in this next category, I think this one's going to be a real tough decision. We have Lucy and Ricky versus The Simpsons. Homer, do you and want a functional marriage or a dysfunctional no, marriage? No, 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 to no, move no. On? I think this is actually a very good pairing. I feel like The Simpsons is a more modern. You know, I mean, it came out in the eighties, but. Lucy came out much, much earlier than that. But I think this is a more modern take on this bickering couple, you know, that ultimately is good for each other. But they certainly have their rough spots. Right. And Lucy is quite an annoyance to Ricky, just as I'm sure Homer can be an annoyance to Marge at times. Right. Marge is a great woman, a great wife. And so and, uh, you know, Lucy has her her virtues to be sure but uh there's certainly a more annoying part of this couple right and so i kind of feel like the simpsons is a modern version of lucy that's bold i've never heard that take before i think <laughs> what the simpsons has going for it is that the show itself is structured around their family i love lucy is fun Because it's Lucy just having her antics and being ridiculous. And Ricky comes in and he's a part of it, just like everyone else is kind of a part of it. But The Simpsons is structured around the relationship. It also helps that we have like 500 more episodes of The Simpsons than we ever did of I Love Lucy. So we get to have these flashbacks where we see how Marge and Homer met and how they were in high school and what the story of their proposal was. And you know, the episodes that we get of The Simpsons tell their story and flesh them out. They have a more opportunity to grow. I love I Love Lucy, but I will agree and vote for The Simpsons. Wow, this is Cole. I, I feel like we've never been this in sync on the show before. I think love really is in the air on today's episode. Once a year, we can <laughs> put differences aside. <laughs> All right, this last face off in this round, Avery. Finally, we, we have come to the platonic couples face off. And we have Ron and Leslie versus Elnor and Michael. This is so tough for me because these are two of my favorite sitcoms, Cole. 
I I might need to hear your argument on this one, and I, which seems a little unfair to me because I don't feel like you really love either one of these shows. I. Yes, of the modern <laughs> production, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine has appeared here on the list and The Office has appeared on the list. They're all kind of produced by the same folks. Uh, and they've all been NBC sitcoms before. And these are kind of my least favorite, too. But the relationships themselves are what we're talking about here, not necessarily the shows as a whole. And the Ron Leslie dynamic still stands supreme, I think, as an example and as something that I'm going to vote for to move on. Oh, I, I this is so – you guys, this sounds ridiculous to say, but I feel like no matter which one I go with, I feel like I'm betraying the other one, right? It's like trying to choose between your children which one you love more. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. So I'm going to – I'm going to break – I'm going to break a little bit of a rule here. And instead of having Avery act as the tiebreaker, I'm going to defer my vote to Avery. And Avery, we're going to put you on the spot, but you have to decide which one you like better, and then I'll have to be the tiebreaker. And you'll have to be the tiebreaker. Yeah, all right. so just say all in our mic, and we'll go back to where we started. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Oh, oh. Um, I mean, my gut feeling is I love both of these shows, too. Uh, I would... It'd feel like a betrayal to choose one over the other. Or one over the other. That being said, I do... Love some of the antics and some of the some of the some of the things that Ron and Leslie get up to in Parks and Rec. You're off the hook this time. Oh Jeffrey. my goodness! And now people will never have to know which one I would choose <laughs> over the other. Oh, thank goodness! All right, we finally reached it. We've reached the semifinals. Is this the semifinals? The quarterfinals. The quarterfinals. Because there's four teams left. There's it's four the teams left. Finals, or Thank is you. it when there's four matchups? That's anyway. Well, you know, it's just list the. Finals. It's it's close. All right, the finalists. First of all, you'll have to pick between either Ross and Rachel, or Kevin and Winnie. Hmm. Hmm. You know. Yeah, now we're mixing genres. We're mixing the dynamic of the couple. And to me, when I think sitcoms, the the will they, won't they is first and foremost on my list. And I think that Ross and Rachel just are the TV sitcom couple, whereas Kevin and Winnie are just they're cute. They're kids. It's part of the Wonder Years. But Friends was built on the fact that they could talk about Ross and Rachel and have that string us along for so many years. I vote for Friends again. I vote for Kevin and Winnie again. And the the reason being, I just I think this show does a much better idea of presenting the idea of this person that you pined after or that maybe you still pine after. Hopefully not somebody that young because <laughs> that would be creepy. But uh, Avery, you are now the tiebreaker. Tie All right. I will have to go with Ross and Rachel. I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would. Avery, I guess I, I owe you one since you made the tough decision for me earlier in the show. So You're I can't welcome. get too upset with you. But, oh, man. Ross and Rachel, not a surprise, though, right? Sometimes okay. the one seed's the one seed for a reason. That is true. Okay, so our final face-off before we get to the final two contenders is between... Homer and Marge Simpson versus Ron and Leslie. 
two totally different relationships, yeah. two totally different ideas, totally different shows. We have an animated 80s to 90s to 2000s and 2010s show in The Simpsons versus a modern workday platonic friendship in Ron and Leslie. This is this is interesting because in one way I would love to see an animated couple go up against, you know, a hip 90s couple. Um but uh, I'd also be intrigued by having a hip 90s couple go up against, you know, from a show called Friends going up against a couple of friends. Friends. Right? It's oh. Valentine's Day. I'll vote first to put more pressure on Jeff. Okay. And I'm going to vote for The Simpsons here because I think we've seen the Ron Leslie train take us as far as it needs to go. Ooh, we, we've acknowledged these platonic friends. They are fantastic and they're fantastically written. And I love that we have that representation on our television shows in addition to all the other romances that went on in that show. I mean, Andy and April are awesome. We didn't get to talk about them. Leslie and Ben and then Ron and... The the various uh, what's their names <laughs> the the various his ex Tammy Tammy oh, one Tammy, Tammy two Tammy three yeah. yeah yeah anyway um like everyone's got their own relationship going on Ron and Leslie were great but at the end of the day I'm gonna vote for romance on Valentine's Day I'm feeling the spirit of the season and I'm gonna vote for the Simpsons me too and I I was always very touched when those moments of love between Homer and Marge did occur um not to say that. I don't know. My mom would hate for me to, to, to hear me say this, that there were times when I saw bits of Homer and Marge in my own parents, but uh, my parents love each other and did not bicker nearly as much as Homer and Marge did. But uh, I, too, have to go with my namesake on this one and say Homer and Marge. The finals are set. We're going to keep you in suspense for just a minute longer. And when we come back, we're going to name the greatest TV sitcom couple, as well as keep you up to date on the latest in entertainment news. We'll pan for good and have a couple movie reviews. That's coming up next on Screen Cleaning. All right. So that was very well choreographed by all of us here in the studio. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We're talking about Friends and one of the great TV theme songs. That's a bracket we got to get around to one of these days. I'll be there for you. You know, those last three that we discussed, The Simpsons, Friends, and Parks and Rec, have some of the best TV theme songs, in my opinion. Songs that you want to clap along to or sing along with or at least hum along with, right? So, uh, and And no uh, spoilers, but that is our finals as we talk about the great couples in TV sitcom history. We ignored some of the dramas, right? Drama do their own thing when it comes to couples and romance, right? Gilmore Girls has a much more like fleshed out couple dynamic and uh, Aaron Sorkin has written plenty of great stuff the newsroom has a great will they won't they that goes on but these are just sitcoms that we're talking about and the two that have made the final Avery are Ross and Rachel of Friends fame and The Simpsons from, from Simpsons from the Sim- oh yeah, yeah The Simpsons from just some other show <laughs> I feel like I have a responsibility as a broadcaster and, and as a Simpson? as a consumer of television to to do the popular thing, right? It's Valentine's Day, Jeffrey. Go from the heart. Wow. Trust Again, what, trust I, I feel believe. like I was going to go one way and now I'm going to go in a completely different direction. 
And I'm going to say Homer and Marge from The Simpsons. Probably not too surprising to you, Cole, but I don't think you're going to surprise me either with your pick. You know what, Jeffrey? I'm a man full of surprises. And for the final time of today, I'm going to agree with you (gasps) again. What? Make it a unanimous final choice. The Simpsons carries on over Ross and Rachel. The will-they-won't-they can only take you so far. At some point, you have to establish a real relationship that can last. And though I do have my qualms at times over the course of their 1,700 million episodes, Homer and Marge at the end of the day love each other. And on Valentine's Day, that's what should matter. I love The Simpsons show. I've been catching up. I've been watching like some of the best of Homer and Marge this week on Disney+. Plus. Homer and Marge, The Simpsons are my vote. I feel like the listeners of our show right now are throwing their hands in the air and in frustration and saying, no, I'll never listen to screen cleaning ever again. We hope you don't feel that way. Uh, Cole and I just, we agree. One thing that we do agree on is that The Simpsons, at least the first, you know, eight or ten seasons of it, is a is one of the funniest shows on television, which coincidentally is about the same number of seasons that you got with Friends. You got 10 with Friends. The Simpsons, the greatest TV sitcom couple (laughs) of all time. On this Valentine's Day, we love celebrating television, but it wouldn't be screen cleaning if we didn't look to the movies as well. And so around Valentine's Day, a lot of movies market themselves as rom-coms and as romances, even if they're not. Jeff, you got a couple movie reviews for us. New films out this weekend to take your date with while wearing masks and distancing six feet from them. Can you hold Can you hold hands while distancing? Well, are you related to the person? Are you married? Or, you know, I think it all depends on that. Yeah, if you're dating, true. there's probably not COVID's probably not going to stop you anyway, right? (laughs) Let's start with the non-Valentine's Day uh, movie that I want to review here today. This is one that is the directorial debut of Robin Wright. And it's certainly an interesting movie to pick as your first directorial effort, okay? It's uh, about this woman who's experienced a great tragedy in her life, and she decides she wants to remove herself from society completely untether herself from society and become basically a mountain woman, a la Jeremiah Johnson. There's no Robert Redford in this movie, although he is a director as well. And it immediately becomes clear how out of her element she is. I love the scene when she goes to her outhouse and discovers, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I'm going to have to do several times a day and even if it's snowing or even if it's sunny out i'm going to if it's the middle of the night i'm going to have to trudge out here with a flashlight or you know a candle or whatever and and do this she uh has to chop a lot of wood something she's not used to she has to set traps to catch meat and uh her planting is not going so well either and after a near death experience she really comes up against the elements and is not prepared for what she experiences She forms a bond with a man who basically saves her life, who is played by Damien Bachir, whom is a uh, he's an Academy Award nominated actor, wonderfully uh, talented Mexican actor who is also he's also experienced a tragedy in his life that you find out about later. And of course, 
you know, this is not, you know, I said this is not the Valentine's Day movie, and it isn't because they don't form that type of a relationship. They, But they have a more platonic relationship where they each realize that they have something to offer the other, right? And they teach each other a thing or two about life. Um, this is an interesting movie because I feel like, you know how um, there are certain movies that come out where you feel like, oh, seems like they had the title for that movie before they had the idea for what the movie was going to be yeah. about, right? I wouldn't say that about this movie, but one thing I would say is that uh, they focus very heavily, not surprisingly, on the cinematography because it's a movie that takes place in the mountains, and that's it. And so I feel like maybe they started with the cinematography in mind, like where could we go, what could we do to get some really good camera shots, and then they I worked on the I bought this really expensive drone. Let's go ahead and shoot a movie. <laughs> Basically. And so then they came up with the script. Having said that, I will say I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the relationship between these two actors who are very capable. And I especially enjoyed Damien Bachir's uh, uh, performance in this movie. However, if I'm honest with myself, I probably wouldn't watch it again. But I, I really enjoyed it and appreciated it for what it was in the moment. So that is Land, starring and directed by Robin Wright. It's rated PG-13, and it's out this weekend. All right, so now I'm feeling the spirit of Valentine's Day. I got a date. I need to go to the movies. What should I go with that in mind? Are you telling me your plans, Cole, or is this more of a hypothetical? One might have a date this weekend, and one might be looking for a movie to see. <laughs> Darn, I thought I was getting a peek behind the Cole Wissinger curtain there. Never. The love life. Shut closed. Okay. The wizard stays behind. All right. This next one is is based on a short story called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Yeah, they definitely didn't have that title before they started the movie. And some of these movies that I know I'm going to have to review, I purposely will not watch the trailer because I kind of want to go in blind. However, going into this movie, I did know that I was getting myself into a time loop movie. And not just a time loop movie, but a teen romance time loop movie. Sure. So, okay, rolled my eyes. Another, here we go again, another time loop movie. The, I've, I've mentioned this before, I think, on the show, but I've always rolled my eyes whenever there's another time loop movie that comes out. And yet, I really think I enjoy every time loop movie that comes out. I think the reaction of, oh, this again, fits what a time loop is so well, and then to be pleasantly surprised but also, every time, also, every day. Yeah, also like romantic comedy comedies in general, I think a lot of them win me over just because they're romantic comedies, right? And you want to you wanna have those good feels, right? So as I said, this is based on a Lev Grossman short story, and he's also the screenwriter of this movie. And the premise is basically... What if there were two people trapped in a time loop? Huh? <gasps> Groundhog Day didn't huh? do that. Which is interesting. The timing of this movie is interesting because we also just got that movie Palm Springs that you can watch on Hulu, which I have not seen, but Cole two has seen and loved. Two people were trapped in that time loop. Right, right. Uh, so it's kind of familiar territory here, but luckily the two leads in this movie have such great chemistry and the acting for them just seems so effortless that you kind of overlook the fact that some of this is a little bit of a retread, right? And in fact, throughout the movie, they keep bringing up, oh, yeah, just like Groundhog Day, yeah, yeah, just like Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Um, so the two actors in question are Kyle Allen and Catherine Newton, who seems to be showing up in everything these days. She was just in a 
not a time loop movie, but in a horror body swap movie called Freaky, which, Cole, if you haven't seen it already, I would be surprised to hear. Yeah, Freaky was pretty good. Okay. Vince anyway. Vaughn also. That, that's the trailer that we saw a lot Vince around Vaughn, Friday actually. the 13th. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the acting is really good from the supporting players as well. Uh, you get Josh Hamilton, who plays the dad, uh, the awkward dad in this movie, who also played the awkward dad in one of my favorite movies of the past few years. Eighth grade. Eighth grade, mm-hmm. right? So he's done a great job for himself playing the awkward dad. So the, Kyle Allen and Catherine Newton are the two poor souls that are stuck in this time loop. And minor spoiler alert, one of them wants to get out of the time loop and one of them wants to stay in it. But they form a friendship and they decide that they're going to go around documenting the perfect things of the world of the tiny variety, of course, hence the title, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. So things like a hawk snatching a fish and uh, traffic coming to a standstill because there's a turtle crossing the road or a girl skateboarder who nails this jump that none of the boys can land, etc. Right. So aside from the acting and the writing, I just love that. This is not a movie that is just what it appears to be on the surface, you know, a time loop teen romance. It's it's more than that. And I really appreciate that. I was so blown away and surprised by this movie. I'm happy to recommend it to anybody and look forward to watching it again. I like Maybe that next s- Valentine's Day. And again and again and, and again, again and again, time, again. Time loop puns. Yeah. Uh, I love the movies that come from this little idea where they're mapping it. Like, it seems like more than the time loop, the documentation and, like, the film voyeurism that, like, so many filmmakers love of seeing and capturing beauty, small beauties in the world, is where this starts. And then the time loop and the teen romance kind of comes after. And I love I love movies that have that start, small little nugget to begin your idea. Sure. Cole, so there's certainly plenty of movie news that we could talk about. But let's just pick some of our favorites of the past week that we want to talk about. Well, I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but there was a Super Bowl this past weekend. Oh, between the uh, Atlanta oh, Falcons and the To uh, save us time, it was the Tampa Bay Arizona Buccaneers Cardinals. led by Tom Brady that okay. beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But more important to this show, there were also some Super Bowl commercials oh, that yeah. were fun. Uh, we didn't get as many movie trailers as we normally would because not as many movies are coming out or do we have sure release dates that they can stick at the end of a movie trailer. But Disney Plus is going to have, as soon as WandaVision completes, another short series for us to watch. It's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we got mm-hmm. our first look at that. Okay. You know, we also got some older movie nostalgia trailer, or not trailers, but commercials, right? We had a, another Wayne's World reunion. And, oh, Cole. That was, that was Wayne's a... Wayne's World. I mean, the Wayne's Uber World. Eats. Party time. Excellent. Uh, what about very the ham fisted? What about Edgar Scissorhands, where basically you have Winona Ryder's character from the movie Edward Scissorhands, and she has a child who's very much like Edward Scissorhands, but played here by Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet. right? And they're they're hawking a car in this commercial, that's a self driving car, as it turns out, right. that's, because that's he can't why. operate the steering wheel with his you know scissor hands. See a commercial is never great, great. If I can't quite remember what it was actually trying to sell me at the end. Like, I remember there was the Edward Scissorhands commercial. Didn't remember it was for a car. And I still don't remember which brand I'm supposed to be buying. So, failure from the marketing department. Sorry. Cole, 
I was shocked when I stumbled upon this uh, little piece of news that you didn't know about. You, be, you especially, because we talk about this actor all the time on Screen Cleaning, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And neither of us knew until I told you that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a midseason replacement sitcom oh. showing up on NBC, which seems to be the one network he hasn't dabbled with yet because he's got shows and productions on pretty much everything else. And it's called Young Rock. I'm going to tune in for that. And I think you should, too. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in how they're releasing it. The midseason replacements are often don't don't last much longer than the thing that they were replacing in the first place. But you put the rock on something and it's always got potential. Well, you know, this wouldn't be a screen cleaning episode if we didn't do a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. (laughs) We always look for good stories out there. And this week... There was one that has to do with a former member of our TV um, media family, and it's the late Alex Trebek. He passed away last November after a long battle with cancer. Um, But anyone that knows Jeopardy knows that at the very end they say Alex Trebek's wardrobe was brought to you by, you know, and it's, it's a different person every time. He wore wonderful suits every time that he went on Jeopardy, and now his suit's and whole closet of a different suit every single night for all nights of syndication for years weren't just thrown away. Their whole collection was donated to an organization that, according to their website, tries to break the cycles of homelessness, incarceration, and recidivism by providing holistic services, housing, and work opportunities. What that means is that they gave all of these great suits to people that are looking for job interviews so that they can look like a million bucks or however much you can win on Jeopardy and look just like Alex Trebek when they walk into a job interview, make that great first impression so that that's not something that the interview is thinking of when they are having the interview. I can't tell you how much I love that. That is so awesome. The whole collection uh, that was given away, 58 dress shirts, 14 suits, 300 neckties, a wonderful thing that was done uh, after some really bad news for the, the media world in general. That's so awesome. good things come out of sad things. That's what painting for good, and that's what screen cleaning tries to be about. We hope you felt the love in the air today, even if you know we chose Homer and Marge as the ultimate all-time best TV couple. They love each other. Yeah. It's great. We, we do hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day and a wonderful President's Day. We want to thank our assistant producer, Avery Otzbach, for helping us out with this bracket. And uh, as always, we'll be back next week to give you the very best in entertainment here on Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. We'll see you later. 